Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Happy holidays. So we're getting closer. Jeremy White, Bert Deister here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Just or yeah, happy holidays. Yeah, happy I, holidays. I'm, kinda, I'm at the same. I don't. I don't know. I mean, Merry Christmas, happy holidays after Thanksgiving, but you don't yeah. want to start too early. Yeah, but it's. I think we're in good shape here. It's. Uh, you know, the snow fly, uh, flew earlier this week, so uh, we're we're pretty much in the holidays. Last week we did Christmas beers. Uh, this week, uh, a little more Christmas beer. <laughs> Maybe um, we're gonna talk about yeast a lot today, but. Uh, What's going on at the store, you guys? When do your extended hours begin? They're actually going to start tomorrow. So we're going to be open tomorrow and Sunday. each Sunday okay, between so. now and Christmas Eve. And so Christmas Eve as well, 11 to 2. We'll be open 10 to 8 during the week, Monday to Friday, but regular hours on Saturday, 10 to 4. Gotcha. So we're going to be open a little bit extra. If you need to get home, get dinner first before you come in and do some Christmas shopping, we'll be there for you. All right. So extended hours include not just extended hours, but an extended day. You add a day of the week with the Sunday edition. Sunday's from 11 to 2, yeah. and it rolls right through Christmas Eve, which is also a Sunday. Yeah. So you're open 11 to 2 on Christmas Eve. Yep, and so it will be uh, open 11 to 2 Sunday, close Monday, and then open again on Tuesday, regular hours, 11 to 7. The Monday Christmas always throws everybody off. It's oh, gonna yeah. be a It's going to be a weird one. All right, so if you want to know about making Christmas beers, uh, you might your time frame might be a little uh, tight, but if you want to know about it, you can... Go to our last show. Any show is on demand at ESPN fifteen twenty and uh, WGR's Audio Vault as well. Uh, draft supplies. You guys are loaded as usual. You got it. So if you're uh, looking for your own draft supplies for a holiday party, uh, if you have an old kegerator, you need to get a working kegerator, uh, or if you want to get somebody into draft beer, whether it's home brewing or commercial, we have all the kits, pumps, taps, cleaning supplies, and replacements parts that you're going to need. Okay. And with regard to, I was going to bring something up. You were talking about something being in stock. Oh, the Grainfather, which was on a discount for Black Friday. Yep. Your Black Friday specials. We had a lot of people who took us up on that. So Very nice. Would, a lot of people were thinking about it. It did push them over. Very good. Um, there may be some people out there who significant other got kind of pushed over that barrier uh-huh. came in. So you're going to get that surprise deal later on. How about the rest of the inventory? Like, I, I mean, Black Friday can be a time where you you know, you know roll through a lot of stuff, but you yeah. guys are restocked and it, good to go. We keep restocked. The other thing is, I have to admit, that we often become the place where people go and spend their money after the holidays. You know what I mean? You got them, you know, the gift certificate to the closing place or maybe the restaurant that's a little bit too far. We're the place when they choose what they're going to spend for themselves after the holidays that they often go. So we keep our full stock in supply. So if you get a gift certificate, you're going to have a lot to choose from. It's not like you're going to come in on Boxing Day and the shelves are going to be cleared. We're actually usually going to have more inventory, more of those gadgets that really homebrewers want to pick out themselves. Okay. And with regard to, was it the... What's that one thing we talked about the other day? The catalyst system? Were you going to yeah, get so those we have, in? We have those in okay. already. Those are nice. And, and actually, because of my looking at the catalyst uh, fermentation, we talked about the big advantage of the catalyst fermentation is that you can attach a mason jar right to the bottom, right to the clover fitting. So that means, as we talk about yeast saving and reculturing today, the catalyst is kind of what's kind of bringing up that topic for me. Oh, okay. It, it is really one of the kind of perfect a conical in general, but a clear conical that you can already hook up a mason jar to. It's really going to be the perfect um, vessel as far as what you're looking for for 
reusing your yeast. And yeah. so that's actually what's kind of me staring at that every day, thinking about buying yet another fermentation vessel. Um, if, if you imagine working at a homebrew shop, it's kind of like the guy who owns like a garage with a big lot. He's got a bunch of cars out there. They all work. None of them are really being driven. I kind of have that same problem with fermenters. So mm-hmm. um, if I get this one, I might be putting my Fermonster Chapman aside for a while. So I don't know if I want to do it yet. But if you are thinking about reconstituting, if you do need a new fermenter, this is a nice one. It's under 200 bucks. It's conical, yeah. uh, sanitary fittings, locking lid. That valve at the bottom. Yeah. Like you have seen it in action. You you know people that have used this or you still? I know just... a few people that have used it already. Right. It's le- relatively new. Yeah. Um, and by relatively new, I mean almost a year here. But in home brewing, as you kind of plan for this stuff and you work it into your system, these are big changes. So mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. like me with the grandfather, when I purchased it, it took me a long time to finally get a batch ready, work out what my, guess my new efficiency, find a place in the house to actually, you know, set this all up. Um, so some of these kind of uses become a little bit delayed. You see the online reviews almost instantly, but the kind of nitty gritty comes with time and, and the catalyst is kind of, you know, has pushed through that nitty gritty. It, it's kind of passed the test and people are going back to it. Huh. Well, the reason I ask is because I know that valve they got, I don't know if they call it a butterfly valve or what mm-hmm. exactly it's called. Um, I, I guess it must be strong and well built because it's holding up. The whole thing, and it's yeah. pretty big. It's, right. I think, like two or three inches in total And it's diameter. holding up five gallons of your beer, basically, yep. as it ferments. So it must be, uh, I think it's got to be really well built. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I mean, you think about how much, the, you know, carbuy convection. If you did a straight line, the thing is about, like, two feet high, and so you have that three-inch. That's probably almost a gallon of liquid. So that's, like, eight, ten pounds sitting right on that valve. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, you so you have that in stock. That's the Catalyst system. If you want to know about that, you can you know Google it or check out their website. It's it's interesting. It's uh, it's not quite all the way up to the grandfather in terms of price. Well, and, and they, they do different things. Yeah, and they, they do different things. They're different. So you could use your grandfather and your Catalyst. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. But and this is the one nice thing about homebrewing is there's it's different steps and you can get involved as much as you want to at each step. So if you want to put a lot of your time into brewing and recipes, you know what I mean. You might decide to upgrade your system with a grandfather. If you're getting into harvesting and kind of speed of fermentation, uh, you may get something like the Catalyst. Yeah. You know. And it, All right. So holiday hours extended. A lot of stuff in stock. Um, more information about the Taste of Homebrew uh, or Taste of Buffalo Homebrew competition. Oh, we, so have, we have it. We have more information. They, they have everything up. If you go to homebrewtasteofbuffalo.com, they have a list of all the categories. There's a very long list. Um, and the entry deadline is going to be the 20th of January. There's a couple of different drop-off locations. We are one of them. So you have a date. You got over a month. So that leaves a lot of styles open. And like I said, they did a lot of lighter styles. So the beers that you do now for this competition, you can put away till summer. You could enter again in AWOG or their lighter beers. You'll be able to get rid of them a little bit faster. And the website is homebrewtasteofbuffalo.com. I'm going to it uh, right now. I was going to see if I could read a couple of these uh, styles. But you said a lot of the lighter styles. It's going to be a summer event, right? Mm-hmm. So they are judging for summer to some degree. Yeah, and, and that's when they want to serve it as well. So it will make. Yeah. Oh wow. There's. Yeah. Here you go. American light lager, American lager, cream ale. Um, yeah. German pills, export beer, a Munich Helles, a Keller beer. Okay. Seth specialty IPAs, Belgian IPAs. Okay. So like twenty 
seven different more, like 30, 40 Yeah, categories. and they got, they got all the bases covered from like your regular light lagers to light wheat beers, hoppy, um, and dark stuff, all light in gravity. But they got a lot on there. Yeah. Yeah, but make sure you go on because there are a couple that like the specialty IPA, it's all, it can only be session strength mm-hmm. that is allowed. So um, head to that website, homebrewtasteofbuffalo.com, for more information. Judge and steward registration. Ooh, you know, here's something interesting. Each and every year I get invited to be a judge at the Taste of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And if I'm in town, I usually do it. And if they're adding a homebrew element to it. It is a BJC sanctioned competition. So it won't be me? It could still be you. Rats. It could still be. Um, it, it, you don't necessarily have to be um, a certified judge oh. to taste in a homebrew competition. Um, you definitely don't want to do this blind. you got to have some experience. And, and I would say any... Um, and, and I know, you know, the organizer of this competition, any organizer would kind of put that on themselves, uh, to kind of, you know, look at who's on their judging panels. However, you're not going to do a flight ever on your own if you're not certified. So you you will be paired up with experienced people, just like when we did, uh, the one for the Niagara, uh, homegrown, uh, homegrown homebrew competition here on air. We had two really experienced judges with us to kind of guide us through the process. So in homebrew competitions, you may not always get a certified judge, um, but there will always be one on that flight judging your beer. So out of three score sheets, one may be non-certified, but there will always be at least one certified judge. All right. All right, so uh, that's the news on the Taste of Buffalo homebrew competition. So on to today's show and what we're going to get into. You want to talk about saving and uh, eventually we're going to get to reculturing yeast, but that might be on a a different program depending on how much time we can put into today uh but saving yeast so you got to this as a topic because of the catalyst system which allows it's kind you of designed around saving yeast mm-hmm. um, it, really kind of the process that we're about to talk about can be done in the catalyst in a certain way um so a lot of the work we're talking about would be saved with one of these vessels so it, it, they are very nice. It, it's a big advantage to using any conical, but particularly one that's clear so you can actually see what you're grabbing at any given time. So let's kind of start looking at this. So as a beginning brewer, and especially if you're just you know starting home brewing, the cost of yeast or availability of different strains really doesn't weigh heavily on your mind yet because everything is new. And not only that, but you got bigger fish to fry. you got to worry about recipe formulation, fermentation control, and trying to kind of streamline the brew day in general, whether that's something to do with your equipment or just your brew space or kind of getting an idea of how much time you need to set aside. So this isn't something you're going to be worried about. You haven't been brewing for years and you've run through every single dried yeast available, you know, three times over and gotten bored. Uh, and you're also not doing beers at or lagers with cold fermentation starts or really high you know alcohol beers that require a high pitch rate so even if you decide to use a liquid yeast chances are you can get away with one you're not going to be buying two to three once you become an experienced brewer things get to change a little bit you know you buy your grain and extract in bulk you might start growing your own hops or also buying those in pounds um, and most beers are going to come out exactly how you want them and you've also got you know, more of a streamlined process. And um, I always talking to Kevin, when he started out doing all grain at five gallon batches, um, I could get through two five gallon batches all grain in about the same amount of time. But I had all my stuff in one spot. It was there when I went to brew with it. And I knew exactly what I needed to do to kind of capitalize on every minute when I didn't have something that needed my hands at that moment. So 
that said, when, once you get really good at something, you start to get a little bit bored. And you're also starting to think about, well, if I want to keep doing this hobby, how can I save a little bit more money? And reculturing your yeast is one of those kind of things that will definitely save you, you know, we'll say anywhere from $7 to up to 21 bucks. If you were doing a really you know, strong beer, you were going to go with liquid yeast, you didn't have time to reculture, do a starter, you're buying three of them, depending on, you know, if you come into Niagara Tradition, you're looking at $20. If you're ordering them online from someplace, those same three yeasts can cost you 30 to $40 with shipping. So you're really going to save a lot of money just from doing some of the reculturing. But if you can save samples, you're really getting your yeast just about for free. And, you know, that can be kind of a nice experiment on its own, um, but it's also going to save you some money. Uh, in general, especially if you're buying your other ingredients in bulk. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we need to look at is collection. Um, the first thing I want to kind of note in here is you, when you are going to collect yeast from a fermenter or from a starter, you really want to make sure you dot all your I's and cross all your T's because you're going to be using the same culture built up, you know, for maybe up to six batches. Any little mistakes or any little infections are going to begin to amplify as you go on in this reculturing process. Um, we're not going to get into slanting or trying to, like, change strains here because do you want to know what? I don't know that there's more than two or three people in all of Western New York that really have the know-how, let alone the equipment, to actually do something like that. So the quality of your initial fermentation is going to kind of judge all the yeast you save from there on out. Also, anything that touches this yeast needs to be sanitized, if not even better, to be pasteurized. So this is where the mason jars really come into play and why the catalyst fermentation system uses the mason jars because you can boil them. And so you know that you boil it's 100%. Jar yeah, it's 100%. You can boil it. You can leave it out upside down, you know, on a paper towel, let it cool down, and then immediately hook it up to your fermenter. You know that there is absolutely, you know, no microbes on there. And so any sample that you pull is going to be pure. So you're not compounding that whole, you know, snowballing error of infection whenever you mm -hmm. decide to take your own yeast. Now, the first thing that we get asked a lot about this, because there's kind of two opinions out there. There's a lot of facts that I think both groups will admit to, but there's two ways that you can collect the yeast. One is through a primary fermentation. The other one is from your secondary fermentation. Um, and there's some kind of pros and cons to both. From the primary, the yeast are going to be a lot healthier and there's going to be just a lot more of them. Um, and this is why most people decide to go for the primary because overall it's a little more of a guaranteed as far as getting enough cells to kind of move on. But there's also a lot more trub, um, which makes the washing process a lot harder. And the other, as you go, you know, four generations, six generations down, you may also lose some attenuation because you're taking yeast from early in the process. You're taking the first yeast that crashed and the last yeast that crashed from the primary fermentation. So you're going to get a little bit lower attenuation because those yeasts kind of stop fermenting a little bit earlier. They hit flocculation a little bit earlier. So those are kind of pros and cons from the primary. From the secondary, you have a lot less trub, and the yeast will have uh, higher or at least even attenuation with the original strain that you started with. Um, you can also do this a little bit more at your own time scale. 
if you're taking it from a primary, you want to take the beer off the primary at a certain time. It may not be the same day that you want to do the whole collection business, but that's not going to be your choice. With the secondary, you can push it another week or two so that if you need to put it off until you have an hour or two to do this, you can. Um, cons, there's going to be much less yeast available, especially if you did a late rack to the primary, and they're not going to be as healthy and active as those yeast in the primary. So if you're trying to quickly turn around um, these yeasts, especially if you're trying to skip a starter, you may not want to grab from the secondary. Mm-hmm. Now to the harvesting. <clears throat> which, which of the two do you oh, subscribe to? Um, whichever I have time for. If I had choice, I would do the primary every time, which is why I'm looking at something like the catalyst, because I can boil the jar, I can take a sample, I can drive off all my trub, I can take a sample, and I can move on that same night. It will only take me an extra 20, 30 minutes. Whereas if I had um, my regular buckets or Chapmans and for monsters, I have to pull the beer over into another vessel to get at that sediment at the bottom. Um, and it's really that kind of not having to rack it to make that choice with something like the Catalyst that gives you that ability. Also to get kind of a good blend if you wanted to. Um, Whereas when you're working with buckets and carboys, these are kind of very split decisions on which way you go, and it's based on convenience. I personally would always rather do the primary if I could um, because I am looking for volume. Um, But often what happens is I use the yeast maybe that I recultured from a bottle or took from a seasonal yeast pack. Uh, The beer comes out three or four months later. I can't get that same yeast strain again. Now I'm trying to preserve something out of the secondary not because I'm trying to save any money, because I won't be able to get it any other way. So if I want to be able to uh, keep that strain in any form, I have to look at doing something in the secondary because Mm -hmm. I didn't do anything in the primary. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times you're kind of, you have something that you want to do. This is true of a lot of hobbies. And then you have what you actually have time to do. Um, And so while I say I would always love to do the primary, I often do the secondary because that's when I start thinking about it. All right. All right, well, when we get back, harvesting, washing, uh, saving, all that. We are well into this on uh, collecting your yeast and uh, just overall saving and reculturing. It is Niagara Traditions Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means... Either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Homebrewing Supply. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, we're back, and reculturing yeast, saving yeast, and we're on to the part where we're going to, you're talking about harvesting, uh, whether you do primary or secondary what happens next? Yeah, and, and I'm going to give another disclaimer right here that everything that touches us should be pasteurized, if not extremely well sanitized. And that actually comes down to any water you use in the process, too. Um, if you're using tap water, you may want to filter it and then also boil it. If you're using bottled water, I would still boil it and cool it. Sometimes, if I'm feeling brave, I will use a fresh jug of distilled water. Um, Just crack the seal, use it that day. I would not trust it for another batch. So 
everything that touches this has to be very well sanitized or if not pasteurized and all your water really has to be pasteurized as well. So if you're harvesting from the primary, first thing you're going to do is rack the beer off and then you're going to try to use a sanitized spoon or ladle to pull yeast off the top of the sediment. Now some people who you know are used to chain brewing will take these samples and go right over to the next beer. But Part of the kind of whole saving and being able to, you know, reculture the yeast is you want to, again, keep purity, and you don't want anything that may cause the second beer to go bad. And one of those things that we're worried about is all the proteins and starches and kind of what we call the trub that's sitting down with that yeast at the bottom of the fermentation. Um, now, the first thing you can try to do to help yourself is instead of just scooping into the sediment bed, try to skim off the top. Um, how we are kind of separating these yeasts throughout the entire time is the fact that they want to stay up in suspension. They want to stay up in the liquid because that's where their food source is going to be. While things like, you know, bits of hops or protein or, you know, starches, they're dense. They've been kind of coagulated into balls, and they're going to want to sink to the bottom faster. And it's really this kind of difference in density that we're using over and over again. Um, so if you can scoop from the top of the primary fermentation, you're going to get a better distribution of cells, but you're going to get yourself a lot less trub, which is going to make the whole washing process a lot easier. Now, if you're pulling it from a secondary fermentation, you've already really done a lot to kind of do some separation. You racked it off the primary. Probably most of the trub stayed in the primary. You may have a little bit of protein from chill haze that we can take care of, but um, is racking from the secondary, take the beer off, put in your distilled or pasteurized water, shake the fermenter around, and take off that sample to begin washing. Um, so another reason you see I go to the secondary more often. So instead of trying to sanitize a ladle, scoop this all off the top right as I'm done racking, with the secondary I can do it the night I want. I can just rack the beer off, put a little water in the carbuoy, and move it on from there. So let's talk a little bit about washing the yeast. Um, you're, you're not really doing any chemical cleaning, and I think that's where a lot of people get confused. I think they feel like they're adding some type of sanitizer or something to the solution that's going to kill off other microbes, and that's not what you're doing. You're just doing a gravity separation here. So the proteins, again, in the malt are denser than the active yeast, and they're going to fall faster. Uh, and it's going to kind of stratify if left in a vessel for a while and so you'll be able to see these different layers as you let this sit. So you want to take your sample and add a little bit of clean water again because it's going to make it a little bit easier to work with. I generally will take a very large sample to start with so I may take uh, half a gallon of total solids. I'll put it inside a gallon jug and I'll put in about 50 percent of that volume so I'll put in a quart of my you know kind of clean water here uh, to make just everything a little bit easier to work with. Having less overall stuff in there and more water means that the molecules can kind of fit between each, e between each other a little bit easier and move down um, kind of to get that graduation. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your mason jars, your flash, your growlers, gallon jugs, whatever you're using, you're going to mix it up with this clean water and then put it in the fridge for anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. Um, when you come back, you're going to see these separated layers. You're going to see clear liquid. You're going to see a little bit of cloudy liquid. Then you're going to see this really light-colored, fine stuff. That's your yeast, as well as the stuff that's making the liquid cloudy at top. And then you're going to see this kind of almost like tofu or gelatinous-looking, you know, darker bits at the bottom. That's all your hops. That's your protein. That's the stuff you're trying to get rid of. So what you do now is you take that container. And this is something you may want to think about ahead of time. You need to 
transport in a sanitary manner from one container to another to kind of separate that dark trub at the bottom that you don't want to keep. So this may happen once if you have something like the catalyst and you can pull like a majority of the trub off so you're working with a very small amount of solids or this may take a couple of tries. Each try you're going to be losing a little bit more and more volume. Um, so you want to pull a large amount of liquid um, at the beginning. You want to toss anything that you see at the bottom. You really want to be ruthless in, I would say, two to three washes, about the most you ever want to give something. Because as you do that, you are beating up the yeast. Um, you are saturating with water because as you put this new solution in, there's no electrolytes. Um, so you can damage the cells a little bit from the washing process. Um, so it's not something that you... Um, want to be doing over and over and over again unless you're ready to really struggle to kind of reculture it. Mm -hmm. So the less washing you do, the more yeast you're going to have in your sample um, and the really the better health it's going to be, but the higher the risk of what you're going to have kind of as far as infections, trubs that could begin to break down as you save it. Now, we only got a minute here, and I know I've been really rushing through this, and we're not going to get to quite everything you need to know to use this sample. But now that you have what you consider clear, you know, or clean yeast and a little bit of water on top, um, you can add an acid to help preserve it, so ascorbic acid or something like that. Uh, I often kind of stay away from that, and I try to fill it all the way to the top of a vessel that I can seal. Mason jars and uh, Grolsch bottles are often chosen here. Uh, if you're going to do an Erlenmeyer flask, make sure you put an airlock on it, and then you want to take this and set it in the fridge. You can use it for up to about, we'll say, three weeks without a starter and just pour it over into another fermentation. If you've done a whole mason jar full by the time you get done, um, you should be able to just pitch it directly within those first three weeks, and your beer should start off just fine. You can save these samples, though, for longer term and kind of make yourself a little bit of a yeast bank in the basement refrigerator that you have a variety of kind of exclusive strains that you can go back to and reculture. Uh, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit more next show. All right. Well, that's it for us today. We're going to get to reculturing on another day, maybe next week, unless uh, something else pops up. Yeah. So basically, know. we got you far enough to stick yeast into the fridge. We'll tell you what to do with it, hopefully next week. All right. It extended won't be hanging too long. Extended hours begin tomorrow, right? You said tomorrow. Yep. Eleven to two tomorrow, and then uh, extended hours Monday through Friday, ten to eight. Saturdays, ten to four, all the way through Christmas Eve. You got it. And a big thanks to anybody who showed up for the Santas of Swig. We heard back from them. It was a wonderful event. It was very well attended. Uh, you know, by showing up and eating and drinking and, and giving us your opinions <clears throat> on those beers, you help uh, the Matt Urban Hope Foundation put away a lot of money for kids. Very good. That's it for us. We're back next week. Happy holidays. The holiday season continues, and we join you next week, same time here on ESPN 1520. You've been listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It.